I'm Warren Berkeley. Welcome to our Bible class, and I would like to take us again to the first epistle of John. First John chapter 2, verses 22 through 29. Christians are to be people who walk in the light. John tells us what that means with very specific instruction. One essential to this way of life is that we discern carefully between truth and error. For example, if someone denies the truth about Jesus Christ, we cannot just brush that off, take that lightly, nor can we endorse error with silence. That will be clear to us in our reading now in 1 John 2, 22 through 29. 1 John 2, 22 through 29. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has been taught you, abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Now, this class material includes some review or overlap with the last session, but I think this is necessary for the sake of continuity. Let's start by admitting what John says right here in the very beginning, that there was a threatening influence that was spreading in John's time. And it was his purpose to bring up this threat and emphasize it was a matter of truth versus error. When someone says Jesus is not the Christ, that person has stated an untruth. Now, I know we live in a pluralistic society. We are supposed to be tolerant, accepting, and practice unity and diversity. I know what is fashionable, modern, and politically and religiously correct today. But what John says here must be much more important to us than what the culture around us celebrates. May I say that again? What John says here must be much more important to us than what the culture around us celebrates. 
And as I read the text, you could see this is not a gray area. This is not one of those areas of opinion or liberty where your conviction is neutral or indifferent. And this isn't just a matter of growth or learning where you sit back and say, well, someday they'll figure it out. Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son, refusing to acknowledge the humanity of Jesus along with his deity. This is at the heart of our faith. And John says our hope that when we stand before him, we will not be ashamed. And it has this clarity. Jesus is the Christ, and anyone who denies that is a liar. That's what John says. When Christians hear that Jesus is not the Christ, we cannot brush that aside. It is not the truth. And the one who says it is a liar. Not only a liar, John says, is anti-Christ. While this threat was ongoing in John's time, there are certainly people, religious empires, and false teachers today who were in denial of Christ, anti-Christ. In the time of the apostles, into the second century, when Gnosticism spread worldwide, then later in the birth of modernism and in our postmodern era, today or any time, any place, the one who says Jesus is not the Christ is a liar and anti-Christ. And one more thing in verse 22, when one denies the truth about Jesus Christ, built into that is a denial of the Father, who is a liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is anti-Christ, who denies the Father and the Son. There was this threatening influence in the time of John. False religion. False teachers, false statements were being made. John took a stand about that, stating the matter in the clearest possible term. Now, if we didn't pick up the seriousness of this, next verse, 23, 1 John 2, 23. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. All through the New Testament, the Father and the Son are equal, both divine. You cannot deny one without denying the other, nor can you acknowledge one without acknowledging the other. This is the unity of deity. Jesus is the only begotten, beloved Son of God the Father. Any attempt to separate them fails the test of apostolic teaching. The second part of verse 23 conveys the positive expression of this, that he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. To acknowledge here is to embrace and confess the truth about Jesus Christ. That acknowledgement is not limited to Christ, but brings one into harmony with the Father as well. So there was a threat John responded to those who were telling lies about Jesus Christ.
practical. A genuine Christian will not be indifferent to lies about our Savior. Our response will be in keeping with our faith, our conviction that what the New Testament says and claims about Christ is absolutely the truth. We stand on that truth and actually live by that truth. Here's the conclusion John expresses in verse 24. Here it is as expressed in the New King James. Therefore, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Here's something very simple we need to think about. If you hear truth, regardless of how long ago you heard it, and how much pressure you are under now, there is no reason to back away from the truth. Let me say that again. If you hear truth, regardless of how long ago you heard it, if you're now under pressure to deny it, there's no reason to do so, no reason to back away from it. If you heard the truth and the evidence was given that Jesus is the Christ, and you responded to that truth and confessed it, became a Christian, no matter how long ago that was, there's been no change. Therefore, temptation and pressure notwithstanding, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. You see that? And if that truth abides in you, you are able to abide in the Father and the Son. Fellowship with God through Jesus Christ requires that we abide in the truth. I wanted to bring this up. Several times in this context, at least six times, John uses these verbs, remain, abide, continue. I want us to think about what that kind of language means. It has to do with steadfastness, the strength of conviction and faith that enables us to resist temptations to compromise. It may be necessary to remain, to abide and continue, and to say to people, this is where I stand. My faithfulness to the truth of the gospel is fixed in my heart. This is where I stand. That's necessary. Particularly when someone is attempting to deceive you about the truth about God and his son. E.F. Johnson summarized this. There is a direct tie between faithfulness to the gospel and remaining in fellowship with God and God's son. I want to read to you now 1 John 2 from 21 over through 24. We want to keep all this in its contextual continuity. 1 John 2, 21 through 24. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. He who denies 
the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. Now, this allegiance to the truth of the gospel, this continuing, remaining, abiding, has attached to it a promise. And this is the promise that he has made to us, eternal life. Righteous behavior, including a righteous stand for the truth of the gospel, is motivated by, among many other things, the promise of eternal life. In this passage, that's more than just eternal existence. It is good, eternal existence with God. I should walk in the light, confess my sins, love my brother, and abide in the truth to glorify God and to prepare to spend eternity with him. Paul wrote in Titus chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 to the young preacher, the truth which is according to godliness in hope of eternal life with God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. We abide in the truth to prepare for eternal life with God in heaven. God has the power to bestow this gift, and he does so according to his will to people who abide in Christ. We need to be certain that's how we are living today. You know, I thought of something in 1 John 5, verse 13. 1 John 5, verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, back to our text in 1 John chapter 2. That's a good lead-in. Why did John write these things. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. This is why I said in the beginning of our study, John was responding to a threat in his time that pertained to these people. When you care about God's people and you speak or write to God's people, and you know they're being approached by deceivers, you have to address it. This is like if you know someone is trying to defraud your neighbor. You speak to your neighbor about the danger. If you know there is a snake in the camp, you put everyone on alert. It is that simple. John knew there were deceivers approaching Christians. He could not be silent. These things I've written to you concerning those who tried to deceive you. Now, this might be a good place to take just a moment to take another jump forward in 1 John. Over in chapter 4, listen please, 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. I have this noted 
on the slide. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard from the beginning and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We can pause here for some applications for us today. There are deceivers today. There are false teachers today. There are pressures and temptations to abandon what we confessed when we were baptized. John calls upon us to abide in the truth and defend the gospel. That takes us now to verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Once again, whether you're in the New King James or the English Standard Version, there, there's something here that today in the religious world could be distracting, so we're going to address it. The anointing can become a distraction here. If you impose the meaning of the modern religious world on this word, then you might miss it. You will miss it. In the modern religious world, there are preachers who claim to be anointed with some sort of mysterious, exalted, special meaning, asking people to listen to them with attention they would not give to others. In the Pentecostal or charismatic community, there is this expression, the anointed. They have imposed their own definition onto this word, but we cannot be distracted by that. We cannot consider that their assumption is correct. We look into the context of the passage to discover the meaning and the application, not influenced by the religious world around us. I believe verse 27 is really about one thing. John is saying to Christians, John is saying to the Christians he was writing to, you know the truth. That's the anointing. They were taught the truth. This verse wasn't meant to single out certain preachers 
or convey some exaltation of one over another, nor is there any indication of the miraculous here. And, and whether this anointing came through John's inspired apostleship directly or through other teachers they had or other writings they had, we may never know all of that in detail, whether for many of these people oral or in writing. But the main thing here is you know the truth. Knowing the truth, abide in the truth. And don't back down or shrink. In verses 28 and 29. And now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness, has been born of him. Takeaways. Well, I've already indicated some of the practical meaning for us today. Let me review and expand during our last few moments. These are our takeaways. The truth about God in Christ revealed by the Holy Spirit we must be willing and ready to defend. The truth about God and Christ revealed by the Holy Spirit, we must be willing and ready to defend, not with insults, with the truth we abide in. When someone expresses error about God or Christ, I need to take that personally and respond with my Bible as the resource, God is my Father, Jesus is my Savior. There is this quote from A.W. Tozier, I believe we need to consider. He once wrote, There is scarcely an error in doctrine or a failure in applying Christian ethics that cannot be traced finally to imperfect and ignoble thoughts about God. See, you may have some opinions that are off base. There are some things in the Bible that you may not understand perfectly, you've not learned yet. Not one of us can claim that we have absolutely perfect knowledge of everything, but there are some things you can't be wrong about. You can't wait to learn the clear truth about the Father and the Son. God's power, sovereignty, love, and the deity and humanity of Jesus Christ. That he came in the flesh, died a real death, was raised to the right hand of God. I have to abide in that truth. It is fundamental. So let's listen again in 1 John chapter 2. I'm going to start back at verse 22, and read down through verse 29. 1 John 2, starting at verse 22. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. 
No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him.